I invite you to turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, as you know, we are going through a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and tonight we are looking at the, the fruit of peace as an aspect of the transformed Christian life. Colossians, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 3, <coughs> we're going to read the first 15 verses just so we get a sense of the context, but I'll be focusing tonight specifically on verse 15. Verse 15 of Colossians chapter 3. Let's give our attention to God's Word tonight. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3 from Colossians 3. Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears... Then you also will appear with him in glory. That's to be the foundational truth of a Christian's walk and life in this world. Verse 5, put to death, death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Oh God in heaven, unless you speak by your spirit, Lord, these will just be words on a page and words that we hear and uh, we'll, we'll leave unchanged. And yet, Father, it is your desire to, trans, to transform us uh, by the truth of the gospel and by the power of the spirit of God. And so we ask, Lord, tonight that you would just do that wonderful work in our midst. Uh, transform us uh, as uh, your truth is made known to us. And we'll give the thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it will be news to no one um, to know that we are living in uh, anxious and angry times. We uh, saw an article this past week written by Julie Satra where, entitled, Why is Everybody So Angry? And she mentions an innocent post that went out on their neighborhood uh, app, kind of the, the way that people keep in touch with each other. And, and someone had just posted this uh, innocuous post that said, could someone explain to me the appeal of Pizzeria X? It was a local... Uh, well-known, popular pizza establishment. And uh, the, the post said, uh, it was okay, but not amazing. Am I missing something? Nice, friendly post. Well, the first few responses were uh, friendly and helpful. The fourth one came in hot. Uh, said this, what would have been truly amazing, caps bold, is if you would have taken the money you threw away on pizza and gave it to someone who couldn't afford food for children or their pets. Like I said, it came in hot. 
Uh, Seder writes, suddenly a flood of responses poured in, angry responses, posts about judgment, posts about superior attitudes, posts about self-proclaimed experts. The thread continued for hours, people heatedly arguing all over a post about pizza. Why are people so angry? Uh, she quotes from an author, Ryan Martin, who's written a book on the topic, and he says, well, we're living in a stressful world, a uncertain world with conflict and turmoil swirling about uh, concerning political issues, health issues, social and cultural issues, and people are on edge. Of course, you could argue that uh, in the history of the world, uh, the world has experienced times of much greater uncertainty and stress and conflict, and so um, there's something else going on, just the, the difficult times, but, but that's clearly a part of it. Uh, but the evidence uh, is that something is happening to our culture. Uh, anybody who works with people, so nurses, waitresses, stewardesses, grocery store attendants, uh, all are noting a marked rise in a conflict and anger from customers. Something is going on in our culture. And unfortunately, um, anger is just one symptom of the restlessness, the unease in our, in our culture. And so you see anxiety and depression continuing their um, meteoric rise. There's palpable fear in our society. People are afraid about the future, future of our country, future of their children, the future of their own welfare. And, uh, and it's everywhere. And unfortunately, what's happening in the culture is also happening in the church. A pastor's nationwide are reporting increased incidences of anger and division in the church. The peace of Christ is failing to be manifested in the church of Christ, in the body of Christ. And so anxiety and fear and depression and anger are all realities that uh, we deal with, and all of us to some degree, I think we would all acknowledge that the peace of Christ that Paul talks about here is not ruling in our hearts the way it ought to. And I think uh, we just want to say, it's not okay. It's not normal. It's not right. We just need to talk about this. Uh, the church should not look like the world in, in this regard particularly. That in, in a time like this when we see our culture being gripped by fear and gripped by anger and gripped by anxiety, there ought to be a marked difference in the church of Jesus Christ. It should look different. We, 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 there should be a peace, a calm, a confidence, a quiet. The church ought to be characterized by peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called. This is God's purpose for us. One of the defining hallmarks of those who are filled with the Spirit is the character of peace, the, the reality of the peace of God as an experienced uh, reality in our lives. So tonight we're going to look at the peace of God. First, just look at the category, um, and then look at the command, uh, the, cat, the category, and then the command. The category, the peace of Christ. What, what, what exactly is this? Um, the peace, the word peace in the Bible is an intensely theological idea. It's, it's, it's not just a calm frame of mind. It's not just the absence of conflict. Peace is something that belongs to God, comes from God. It's a, it's a heavenly reality uh, and standing in direct marked contrast to all the chaos and anger and anxiety and conflict that we see in the world. It's something that comes from heaven. The Bible says there's no peace for the wicked. That's Isaiah 48, 22. 
And so the rage and the envy and the discord, uh, the outrage that you see in our society, well, you can know that's a work of the devil, okay? That's what the devil does. And uh, it, it comes from him, belongs to him, and those who, who um, belong to him live like that. But Paul says, uh, those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God, okay? That's what he, he says here in Colossians chapter 3. The God of heaven is a God of peace, and he's called the God of peace several times in the Bible. Romans 15, may the God of peace be with you all. Again, in Philippians 4, 9, the God of peace will be with you. God is a God of peace, shalom, a God who's able to overthrow the chaos and destruction of this world and create an eternal, glorious peace. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so the peace uh, that, that we find here in Scripture, it characterizes God, it is broken into the world in Christ, and it's supposed to characterize His people. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they shall be called sons of God. They look like their father. They have the family trait, the family characteristic. God is a, is a God of peace, and so are his children. The, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, you see, has, has come into this world to inaugurate a new kingdom and a new humanity people who live in peace and are ambassadors of peace. And so this is supposed to characterize Christian life, a Christian marriage, a Christian home, a Christian church. The peace of Christ is meant to rule in our hearts. Let's just dig a little deeper. What is this peace of Christ? Paul specifically names it the peace of Christ. Well, it's the peace that Jesus gives in John Chapter 14, 27, Jesus is about to, to, descend, uh, to ascend to the Father, and he says, uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace that Jesus gives is a, is a gift. It, that it, it absolutely comes from Jesus. We don't manufacture it. He gives it to us, and it's not like the peace of this world. Uh, the, world, the peace of the world, you see, is rooted in circumstances. It's rooted in well-being, what we would call well-being. Unfortunately, it's always temporary, and it's always threatened. It's always less than ideal. It's fleeting, and we sense that. No matter, have you ever had moments where you look around, and you just say, it, it just doesn't get any better than this. This is perfect. I remember clearly, and I've shared this before, but... Um, uh, one time on vacation, the kids were small. We were up at um, north by uh, Wolf Lake and, and uh, nice, shallow, warm lake water. It's, it was like 95 degrees, blazing hot. And uh, I was sitting in about a foot of water in my lawn chair reading a book in, in the shade. It was perfect. And the kids are playing, and it's, and it's wonderful. And, um, and I just had this deep sense of peace. Perfect. But then little nagging thoughts come in. Well, got to keep an eye on the kids so, you know, they don't slip out too far and one of them drowns. And do they have enough sunscreen on? Because it's really hot out here. And wait a minute, where's my shade going? Right? There it goes. It's always temporary, always fleeting. No matter, no matter what perfect moment you had in your life, with that moment, it was tinged with the reality. It's not going to last. You're holding that cute little baby. Before you know it, they're going to be asking for keys to the car. And then, and then other things, right? And they're going to grow up and they're going to leave home, Hopefully. 
<clears throat> right? But that's its own thing. It doesn't last. None of it lasts. You, you got a wonderful marriage, praise God. Soon, one of you is going to say goodbye. And it's going to be sooner than you wanted it to be. It's always fleeting. It never lasts. Peace that is based on external circumstances is fragile. It's ephemeral. It's always tinged with a little bit of anxiety, the realization that it's going to leave. And Jesus says, that's not how I give peace. It's not how I give peace. The peace that Jesus gives, you see, is not rooted in external circumstances of this world. One of the great lies of the health wealth movement is that Jesus died to give you external peace. Jesus died to give you health and wealth and prosperity, uh, uh, bountiful, plentiful, peaceful circumstances in this world. Well, that's exactly what he didn't do. He says, I don't give peace the way the world gives peace. The peace that Jesus gives is not rooted in the fleeting circumstances of this life, but is rooted in the objective realities of the world to come. Because you see, the peace that Jesus gives is, it's accomplished by Christ. It's a reality that he accomplished in his death. So Colossians chapter 1, 22, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus, you see, has reconciled us to God by his death, thus bringing us into the peace, the shalom of God. It's an objective reality. We've brought in, been brought into a kingdom of life and light and peace. It's not an idea. It's not a, it's not a, a theology. It's, a, it's a, a reality. Christ has accomplished this. It's where we live as Christians, and that changes everything. Because, it, because that means that God is for us now, and if God is for us, well, who can be against us? And it, may, it means that no matter how dark the circumstances of your life might be, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The peace of Christ, you see, is, is meant to eradicate anxiety, eradicate fear from our life, which is, which is why Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, anxiety, neither let it be afraid, fear. Doesn't need to be afraid, doesn't need to be troubled, because Jesus has accomplished something objectively, historically, truly. He has inaugurated this new reality, the era of shalom, and that reality is meant to invade every aspect of our life and our circumstances. So Paul will say in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Peace at all times, not just the good times, all times, particularly the hard times, and in every way. That is a prayer that, that Jesus promises to answer. He's the Lord of peace, and his intent is to have us experience his peace at all times, in every way, in a way that allows us, you see, to live remarkably different than the world around us. We just have to, you see, embrace it, and that's the command. The command, let the peace of Christ, the reality of what Christ has accomplished, let that rule in your hearts. 
So I want to just point out just quickly three things that, that I take from that. First of all, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It's an it's a, it's a interesting sort of command. He's not saying go make peace. He's not just saying snap out of it, be at peace. He's, he's, he's charging us to allow something, to let something happen. Right? Allow this thing to rule in your hearts. But, but, but to be intentional about it. So there's something here we need, we need to take responsibility for. The peace of Christ doesn't just happen to you. You, you, you're, just, you're out walking or you're taking a nap and you wake up and suddenly there's peace. No. We need to take ownership. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And it, this also, I think, shows us that it's possible for Christians to live without the peace of Christ ruling in their heart. You see, it's possible, you see, to profess to be a Christian and, and to be sincere in that profession and yet to live as though Jesus has not accomplished peace between you and God. It's, it's possible to live as, as though there were no new kingdom that you've been brought into, as if God is not now for you, as if you've not been brought out of death into life. You've not been brought into the kingdom of peace. I mean, it's possible to live as though the gospel weren't true at all, as though you were on your own, you were without God and without hope in the world. It is absolutely possible to be a professing Christian and to live like that. To live as though your circumstances actually are the most determining realities in your life. As if your feelings are the most important thing in your life. And millions of Christians do exactly this. And we all have it one time or another. You see, we, we can live as though everything we profess is actually not true. It's not true. What's true is how I feel. What's true is what I think. What's true is the circumstances that I can discern around me. And when you do that, when you let those things become the functioning realities of your world, you are going to experience anger and fear and anxiety exactly like every lost person around you. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? We've all done it. So Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Something we all need to do. It's got to function, you see, in the heart. The heart, of course, is where the action is. That's the fountain of life. That's where our actions and our thoughts and our words and our attitudes, all that comes out of the heart. And so, um, and so the peace of Christ has to actually function there. I like what uh, Tim Keller does, in, and when he uh, talks about this, he, the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about the difference between a morally restrained heart and a spiritually transformed heart. A morally restrained heart is, is a heart that has learned how to keep the rules of religion. <laughs> I could illustrate by saying um, you can teach a child to say thank you by either uh, punishing them if they don't say thank you or just withholding the gift, right? You hold it and say, say thank you and, you and they don't get it until they say thank you. And little kids pick this up very quickly. Thank you, right? They, they learn just like you can treat, teach a dog to do the same thing. Right, you got to sit before you get the treat. Well, they'll, they'll figure it out. Well, that's a morally restrained heart. But teaching a child, you see, to say thank you and making a child genuinely grateful and thankful, well, those are completely different things. 
The only way a child will become truly thankful is if their heart has been transformed from a selfish little person to a thankful, grateful person. It's got to be a heart transformation. You see, there's all sorts of, of, of morally constrained Christians. They go through the motions, they believe the doctrines, but when push comes to shove, when the pressure is on, well, you realize the heart hasn't actually been transformed by gospel truth. It's been morally restrained, but when the pressure gets too much, those restraints fall away. And out comes the anger and the fear, the bitterness, the anxiety. You see, the heart has to be actually transformed by gospel truth. Because, as I said, that's where the action is. That's the fountain out of which the, real, the, the acts and attitudes of our life will flow. And so the only way we're going to be able to live in a different way, to live with the peace of Christ, is if that peace of Christ has ruled in our hearts. The only way we're going to be able to be truly different, functionally actually different from, from our fearful, anxious um, people, lost people around us, is if this has happened. The peace of Christ has taken root. And it becomes the, 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 the ruling principle, the reality of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and the reality of what God has promised to be to us in Christ becomes the ordering principle of our heart. Because the peace that Jesus gives is a ruling peace. Let the peace of Christ rule. Not just live there, but rule there. It's meant to order the, the, the chaotic emotions. It's meant to quell the fears. It's meant to, to quench the doubts. And it, and it happens, you see, that, that ruling principle <clears throat> is best revealed in conflict, in trial. That's where the peace of Christ is is best manifested. Think about Philippians 4, which Paul writes in prison. Prison was an awful place to be in Paul's day. The circumstances are horrible. There would be all sorts of reasons for fear and anxiety. And yet Paul writes to the church, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard, it will rule, protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, it, it guards and rules like, like, a, like a soldier on the wall of a city that's under attack. And in the moment when, when the fear is pressing in and the anxiety is rising and, and maybe the, the anger is, 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 is coming, uh, coming out as well as, as you think about the injustice of, of the way you're, you've been dealt with, all that stuff is happening. And in that exact moment, that's where the peace of Christ is meant to rule. Johnny Erickson Tata just wrote an article that I saw this week came out on uh, Cross, Crossway. Uh, uh, website, and uh, she talks about a militant peace, and she talks about how when she first was, uh, was, was paralyzed, uh, the, the physical constraints were, was the biggest battle she had to fight, this, this fear of um, being just closed in and trapped. You can only imagine what that must have been like. 
But she says she's made, she's really has learned to make peace with that. What, what she's badly now is the pain and the, the, the fear and the, and the hardship of this battle with pain and the doubts that can come into your mind. And so she talks about a militant peace. This is what she says. Christ is not a magic wand to be waved over your problems. That's a really good point. Christ is not a magic wand to be waved over your problems. Peace doesn't come that way. As we make the tough choices to hold fast to His grace, then divine peace surges through us. As hard as life is, militant peace arrives at the instant we exercise faith during the battle. The peace of Christ is not this magic wand that makes the troubles disappear. The peace of Christ is what happens to us when we lay hold of Christ and all that He's promised and all that we believe to be true, and we lay hold of that in the middle of the conflict and trust it. And she says, then the peace of Christ comes, and that's exactly the testimony of God's saints throughout history. So how do we have that happen in our lives? And friends, it has to happen in our lives. It has to happen in our lives. So how will it? Well, just let me give you a few simple things. You have to decide you actually want this peace. I, I, Jesus, from time to time, when someone would come to him, he would ask, what do you want? Do you want to live this kind of life? Do you want, do you want the peace of Christ to rule in your heart? Do you, do you want to be a person who's at peace? Not, not as peaceful circumstances. You're, it, life is going to be chaotic and hard until we die, okay? That's, that's what Jesus says. In this world, you will have trouble, guaranteed. But would you like to be a person who, in the midst of the trouble, has the ability to stand, the ability to be at peace, at rest? I do. And I'm sure if the Spirit of God is in you, you do as well. Well, then, then we need to just be intentional about pursuing that. Lord, make me that kind of person. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, as, as Johnny said, it's going to happen by faith. As I said this morning, the fruit of the Spirit is all, they're always fruits of faith. This is what happens when we lay hold of our faith in the middle of the conflict. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Let me just quickly say, this does not mean that if you, if you experience fear or if you experience anxiety or even anger, that, that you're, you're out of the will of God or you're, you're in gross sin. No. Paul says, uh, right, we were anxious and we despaired even of our life. Um, we're going to experience all those things as we live in, in the midst of the conflict of this world. It's just, are you going to stay there and live there, or are you going to move forward to lay hold of the peace of Christ? Are you just going to stay there and then excuse your anxiety and your fear and your anger? Uh, you're going to excuse that because we'll look at the circumstances. <coughs> or are you going to, in that moment, say, Jesus, this is where it's supposed to function. Excuse me. <coughs> well, I, it's exactly where it's supposed to function. 
And the way it functions is by just taking our faith and then grip, grabbing hold of it. How's that going to work? Well, uh, faith needs to be fed. Faith needs to be fed. And so you're going to have to get comfortable and familiar with your Bible. Um, I, I tell you, there's nothing like opening Scripture when you are in fear or when you're anxious and you open a psalm and um, you just read God talking to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I spent a whole night, uh, every time I woke up, um, experiencing fear and anxiety, that verse came to mind, and I, just, I just, talked my, just talked that verse to myself. The Lord, the living God, is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's how it works. That's how it functions. You pop open Psalm 46, right? The God of Jacob is for us. He's our refuge, our shield. Doesn't matter what's happening. The mountains are falling into the midst of the sea. That's okay. God's got it. But our God God is with us. That's that's how it works. We need to be feeding on the Word of God. And friends, it's never been easier, easier in the history of mankind to feed on the Word of God than it is today. You've got... Right? Every one of us has probably several Bibles. You've got podcasts and blogs and audible Bible you can listen to as you go to work. Um, You've you got sermons on websites you can listen to. Right? It's available. We just need to avail ourselves of it. Let the Word of God feed your faith so that as you lay hold of the promises that God has given to us and, and, the, and the, all the truths of what God is to you and for you in Christ Jesus, you'll find you'll have weapons to fight. You'll find you'll have, you'll have things to stand on in the midst of conflict and it'll give you peace. Actual, true peace. It happens as we make the tough choice to hold fast to his grace. She's, that Johnny says, then divine peace surges through us. Let me just give you one other thing. And I, I tell you, I... Um, it's, I just so want this for my life, and I so want this for the church, that we look different from the world, that we act differently than the world acts, that there's something conspicuously unique. There's a calm, there's a peace, there's a, there's a joyful confidence, even in the midst of trial. Have you ever, have you ever just read the testimony of someone who's, who's been through an incredible tragedy, heartbreaking trial, Loss of, a, of, of family members, and, 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 and there they stand, and they worship. It's incredible. It's awesome. The, the peace of Christ there, the way that, that honors Jesus and, and shows that we, we actually do trust what he says. Oh, it's, it's so beautiful. It's what I want in my life and, and in your life as well. I love it when I go to the bedside of someone who's, who's dying in Jesus Christ, and there is no fear, because I've been at bedsides where there's been panic. This is the peace that God gives. 
And there's peace, finally, that happens in community. Let me just say, one of the reasons God doesn't uh, just save us and send us on our way is because we need the body of Jesus Christ. We need to learn how to do this together, and we need each other to help us in this. I read just this week a testimony of a man who was on the verge of taking his life. He's a young man living with his parents, and his life, he was, a, he was an alcoholic. He was addicted to pornography. He saw nothing but loss and misery and despair in his life, and so he determined to take his life. He was tying the rope to the rafter uh, to hang himself when his dad called from the top of the stairs, Rob, come up here, I want to show you something. And there was an, just an excitement in his dad's voice that intrigued him, and so he went upstairs, and his, and his dad showed him an invitation that his dad had received to a Christian's men re, men's retreat that weekend, and his dad says, I want to go. Would you come with me? And so he decided to put off killing himself and go to the men's retreat. And he went and he saw 100, 100 men who were pursuing Christ and living under the word of Christ and experiencing the, the, the fruit of that. And he saw a life that he wanted. And he was converted. And he writes in his testimony now, when life is hard, instead of heading to the bar, I head to my men's group and to my church. And that's exactly how God needs it to be. We, friends, are weak people, and we get frightened easily. And anxiety and fear and anger are things that every one of us deals with. But God has given us everything we need in his word, by his spirit, in the community, so that we can live in peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your car. Put it wherever you need to see it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and watch God transform your life. Amen. Oh God in heaven, we confess, Lord, all the anxiety and fear and anger that comes out of unbelief. We live as though you are not God and you're not good and you don't love us with an everlasting love. And we live as though your promises were not true, as though you were not a rock, you were not a shelter, you were not a shepherd. And Father, oh God, we confess our sin and we want to be transformed. We want to be people who live in peace in the middle of a hard marriage, and in the middle of, of, a, of a family that's not working the way we thought it would, and in the middle of a job that's not producing the satisfaction or benefits we had hoped for, and, and in the middle of a world that increasingly does not like us, and Lord, in the middle of a, of a, of a diagnosis that frightens us, we want to live in peace. We want the peace of Christ to actually rule in our hearts so that we can be thankful and we can praise you and worship you. Even, Lord, when life is hard. So that we would honor you. And that our, our peace would proclaim that you are good and that you are trustworthy. That you are a rock. Oh, God, I, I pray that this church would be defined by the peace of Christ. Lord, I pray that my life would be defined by the peace of Christ. And we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing that well-known hymn, number 691, It Is Well With My Soul.
After the benediction, we'll close with may the grace of Christ our Savior receive the, bl the blessing of God. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.